0: Well, hello, everyone. I want to just uh, take a minute and talk to you a little bit about how this movement of God is playing out here at uh, at Grace Church. If you've been around a while, uh, then you know some of what I'm about to say. If you're newer to Grace, uh, this will this will help you understand some of why we do what we do. So, uh, 15 years ago, when we started here at the Bath campus, uh, the the kind of the focus of Grace Church shifted in a major way, and we said we we no longer desire simply to be a healthy local church. We desire to be a gospel-centered movement that takes the gospel to, every place that it's hard to access. So we want to make the gospel clear and accessible uh, wherever that is, throughout the greater Akron area, throughout the the country, and throughout the world. So we started into what we call a multiplication mindset, where our mindset is instead of growing up, we want to grow out, and we want to take the church to the community and not just ask the, the community to come to the church. So it plays out this way right now. Let me show you up here. If you think about Grace's present presentation, Norton was the the mother campus, started us here in Bath. You're sitting in the Bath campus right now uh, 15 years ago. Two years ago, we started the Medina East campus. And then in early 2015, Norton and Bath will seek to to start the Barberton campus. Campus. And last weekend, if you were here, uh, Pastor Jeff Martell was up, and Pastor Jeff is going to lead that Barberton uh, campus. Now, for the Bath campus, there's something new that's going to start here in three weeks, and we call it the extension of the Bath campus. So if you kind of zero in on the Bath campus there, right now we have Saturday and Sunday services starting in three weeks. We're also going to open services at the extension. So on a weekend, uh, you will have three service options. Saturday night at 5 and 6.45, where true followers of Jesus worship and where God gives you a free car if you come. And so that's Saturday night. Then these hours now that we have here on Jet Road, 9 and 10.45, and then additionally at the extension at 9.30 and 11.15. So there'll be four services on Sunday 6 on the weekend. And the way to think about that extension, think of it as just another option to attend services at. So the rest of what Grace Bath Campus does will stay the same uh, throughout the week and on the weekend. So for instance, if you have uh, high school students that are a part of the student ministry, they will still meet at 7 o'clock on Wednesday nights at the student center. Uh, If you have uh, children who are a part of Bible quizzing or Power Outlet or Grounded, they will still meet Sunday evenings here on Gent Road. Your life groups will not change. You still go to your same uh, life groups. Your connect groups will not change. None of that is getting moved around. All we're doing is offering another set of services uh, so that you can uh, take advantage of that. So... The idea is that seating is relieved. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Let me just say move. right. So he, seating is relieved. Parking is relieved. And we're able to open that up. And the, the, whatever we're talking about on a weekend, it's all the same. So same message every weekend at the extension. Same music every weekend at the extension. The bands will be over there. Same experience for your children. They'll have the same curriculums. And a lot of the same teachers will be over there. And so it's just a way for us to spread out a little bit. So when you think about that here in the next few weeks, uh, think about what you would be a part of. And, um, and know that that exciting new option is going to open there. That's what will happen there on Sundays. Throughout the rest of the week, the sports ministry is launching. So Pastor Donnie and his wife Becky are now with us. And uh, that will become a place over. It'll take a little bit of time. We still have to develop the fields and things like that about another year or so, or in the spring. Hopefully that's when that'll be done. But the sports ministries, Upward Basketball will start there uh, this winter. And then a lot of the adult sports ministries will kick in as Pastor Donnie, he's only been here for six weeks. So we'll give him a little bit of time and he'll kind of get that involved and moving forward for us. So So kind of Monday through Saturday, all the sports stuff is gonna be a great new way to reach out and connect with people. Sunday, two new service times, so we'll go from four to six here at the Bath Campus and excited about that, that, hope that you take advantage of it. So all of that is simply kind of our way of being a movement. We'll start new, new campuses are definitely into our future, so we'll, we'll get Barberton going here in 2015 and then we're targeting, looking at locations, raising up leadership for even more campuses beyond that. And uh, of course, we'll keep you up to speed on that as, as it goes forward. But this is how we, as a, as a local church, express this movement of God. It's not the only way. It's not even the right way. It's just kind of our way. It's what makes sense to us. And we believe that the church does not exist for the church. We believe it exists for the world. And so we want to move. We want to move out and uh, proclaim the gospel to whoever is itching to hear it and take the good news of Jesus to the, to the world around us. And really all we're doing is we're doing what the church of Jesus has always done. There's really nothing new. In fact, I just read it in a book one time and I read this one book and it told me to do stuff like that. So pretty easy to figure out. But that's from Jerusalem to Antioch, all over the place. This is what the church has always done. They have never received the good news of Jesus and said, you know, thank you very much and, and hoarded it. They've always received the good news of Jesus and proclaimed it. The church has always moved forward. In fact, it's, it's the very essence of what it means to, to be a church. And that's what we've been talking about here these last couple of weeks. We've been talking about the unstoppable movement of God. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how a church is a sum total of its individual parts. And we must think corporately, not just individually. It's not just my relationship with God. It literally is our relationship with God. So it's not just that nail attacking the gates of hell. It's that sledgehammer that hits uh, the gates of hell. And that is what will not be stopped. And then last weekend, uh, Pastor Jeff Martell was up. He just talked about the history of the church. And this this is kind of par for the course. It's just our leg of the race. This is our little slice of time and our little piece of history and our little piece of dirt, and, and this is what we do, right? We, we continue to take these biblical principles and we express them in our culture, but always in this outwardly focused way because the church of Jesus is called and designed, it's even in our DNA, um, to, to advance. So this weekend, I wanna, I wanna press a little bit deeper into this idea, and I wanna talk about how this shows up in your life, all right. In your life. So how do how do you as an individual? How do I as an individual? What does being a part of the church mean? How does that show up in my life? And, and what it, what am I supposed to, to 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 do about it? So if you are if you're here this weekend and you're not yet a follower of Jesus Christ, um, what what this conversation will do is it it will it will define for you the invitation that God is giving you. So God is giving you an invitation for salvation and to be in relationship with him, but also to be a part of a great movement of, of, of God, a spiritual movement. And so this will define that invitation a little bit. Uh, if you did not grow up in the church, but you're, you are now a follower of Jesus Christ, but you didn't grow up in the church or Christian subculture, um, when it comes to this conversation, you're kind of the lucky one, <laughs> right? So you, you may not have these really strong ideas of what a church is supposed to be or not supposed to be and what your role is in it. And I would say like good for you, right? So you're, you're, you're good and we'll just define that for you this weekend. If you are like me and you grew up in the church and more than just the church, you grew up in the Christian subculture, uh, we're gonna do a lot of deconstructing and redefining uh, for you. And, and that's kind of the way I grew up. I, I grew up in church, baby. I mean, we went to church, right? And so that's the way we, we did it. So we went three times on Sunday. You would do Sunday school, you would do church, and then you would go back on Sunday night and get another sermon just in case the, the first one wasn't enough for you. And then on Wednesdays, you, you would go back again on Wednesdays, and there was prayer meeting. And the church I grew up in, all the children and all the teenagers went into the prayer meeting because that was an incredibly effective way to reach us. And so we would would nap on Wednesday evenings in the prayer meeting. And then we had our youth group another time, which usually added like a fifth time at church. So we went to church, right? We weren't messing around. So some of you, like maybe went with grandma once in a while, did like the Christmas, Easter holiday kind of a deal. Um, Others of us like grew up engrossed in the Christian subculture. So if you know who the Gaithers are, you know if you know the Imperials, if you know about DeGarmo and Key, you know, Larry Norman, because why should the devil have all the good music, right? If you know, if you got that joke, that's what I'm talking about. Like you're messed up. You have issues, there's counseling available. And, And we often have this misconception about what the church is and our relationship to it. I was raised, maybe you were too, that the way that I honored God was I went to church. That's what I was told. So I honored God and my parents, they wanted to honor God. They were legit people, so they wanted to honor God. So we went to church. That's what you did to serve and honor God. Now the downside of that was I thought of the church separately from myself. So the church was where I went. The church is what I did. The church was a, a set of programs maybe that I was involved in, or at best, the church was like a set of leaders that wanted me to be involved. So I volunteered at church. Or, or the, the, you, you hear something like um, the church is raising money for XYZ. The church is trying to do this. The church is asking us to come in for this meeting. And usually when you said that, you were talking about some people somewhere. Or you would say, we're going to church. Sunday's the day we go to church, right? But you would separate out the church from myself. I have my relationship with God. I am trying to pursue God, and I participate in like these activities that that maybe the Bible tells me to participate in, I'm not really sure, but most certainly other people tell me to participate in, and that's what it meant to be a part of the church. Now, the problem with that mindset is it's wrong. It's just wrong. And and when we have that mindset, I have it, I had it, um, what, what happens when you have that mindset is you read the Bible wrong. So you go read the Bible. And you look at these parts of the Bible where God's talking to the church and you because you have that mindset, there's me and then there's the church, you read the Bible wrong and you think, man, I hope the church does that. You know, that my church will be built and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You think, man, that's really good that, that gates of hell aren't gonna get that church, that, those church people. Right? Or the, the church is take the good news of the gospel to all the world. Yeah, man, I really hope the church does that. Some, somebody at church ought to do that. I'll pitch in some money to make it happen. Right? And you read the Bible wrong because you, you read the Bible in an individualistic way and you think, well, these are the things that apply to me. And then these other things apply to the church, whatever that is. And I support those people. I support the church, why, why, why they do those things. Okay, now... The Bible says this, let's like back up a second here and let's just start with our salvation. So the Bible says that I receive my salvation when I agree with God about myself and I agree with God about Him. So the Bible says that God says that I am a sinner, I've sinned against God, that sin breaks my relationship with God and every human being is born into that sin. So the wages of sin is death, right, and I'm a sinner. The Bible says about God, that Jesus is my savior, and he is the only path to salvation. He is the way, the truth, the life, all singular. He is the only path to salvation. So I receive my salvation when I agree with the Bible about me, and I agree with the Bible about God. And as a sinner, I ask Jesus for the salvation that only he can provide. And the Bible says that when I do that, my sins are forgiven. The Bible says, my heart is washed whiter than snow. My sins are thrown as far as the east is from the west. It's all Bible terminology. It just means like I'm, I'm forgiven. That when I ask for forgiveness, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. That is how I receive my salvation. I begin to follow God. Now, when I receive my salvation, several things happen at once. One, I'm forgiven, completely forgiven. Two, the Bible says I'm filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Sometimes we say Jesus comes and lives in my heart or God comes and lives within me. It just means I'm, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit of God. That's the Bible way of saying it. I'm indwelt with the Holy Spirit. The third thing that happens is I become a part of the church. I am grafted into spiritually into the church. I become a part of the church of Jesus Christ. Before, when I was a sinner, I I was dead in my sin, lost in my transgressions, lost in darkness, there's all Bible ways of saying that I was a sinner. Then I received Jesus as my savior and my identity completely changes. I, I am no longer this old person, that old is gone, the new comes in, And the Bible says I'm a new creation, and a part of that new creation is I become a part of the church of Jesus Christ. Let me show you what I mean. Grab your Bibles, you got them. Go over to uh, the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter, if you uh, wanna use a Bible, don't have one, there's one in the chairs. It's page 851 in those Bibles in the chairs. And if you're electronic, we use the YouVersion app. You can grab that. Download it or open it, hit live event. We are Grace Church, and our zip code is 44333. three three. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, talks about this different identity. Right, so verse 9, chapter 2, 1 Peter, but you, talking to the church, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy." And Peter is writing, he's actually writing to people who are brand new Christians. At this point in history, there, there is no church history. Your grandma was not a Christ follower, right? Because Jesus had like just been here, right? So there, there was no family history. There was no tradition, none of that. And so he's defining for people who have accepted the forgiveness of their sin what they now are. He's like, this, you're gonna go into a culture that doesn't agree with you, but this is who you are. You're no longer a Jew, you're no longer a Gentile, you're no longer a Roman, you're no longer an Israeli, you're no longer an American, you're no longer an Ohioan, you are a Buckeyes fan because you're a Christian, but you're not, right? You're no, you have this new identity. You are now a chosen people. You've been pulled out, called out. You're a royal priesthood. The message of Christ has been entrusted to you You are a priest, you're a proclaimer of the gospel. You are a holy nation, that's a citizenry issue. Your citizenship has shifted. So your loyalties, your allegiances, the cultural definitions of who you are come now from Christ, not from just the culture that you're born into. You are God's special possession. Another place in the Bible says you were purchased with a price. God bought you with the blood of his son Jesus, you may, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are, you've accepted Christ. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. In other words, you are now the church. That's what the word means. In the Greek, it means called out ones. You are the called out ones, the chosen ones, the royal priests, the holy nations. You are the church of Jesus Christ, okay? So that's huge. And Peter's helping these guys understand this where where he's in essence looking and saying, guys, your church isn't a place that you go to. It's not a thing that you participate in. It's not an organization that you volunteer at or donate to. You are the church. I am the church. I've been changed into the called out one of God. I am a royal priest. I don't follow the priest, right? I am the the royal priest. I am a part of the holy nation. I am the special possession of God. I am the church, okay? It's a big, big deal that we grab that. I am the church. I don't go to it. I don't volunteer at it. I am that entity, all right? Now, take that idea, put it on a shelf for a second, park it. Because I am the church, a second idea comes into play. And this is, this is equally as big. The second idea is this. Because I am the church, ready? The work of the church is my work. Because I am the church, the work of the church is my work. It's not that my, my church helps support or my church sends missionaries or my, my church does music, whatever whatever that I am the church, therefore the work God has called the church to, he has called me to because I am who he's talking about. I am the church, therefore the work of the church is my work. Let me show you this in the Bible. Flip back to the left in your Bible to the book of Ephesians. Maybe, I don't know, 30, 40 pages to the left. Uh, page 115 of those Bibles in the chairs. right? In the book of Ephesians, chapter two, you you find this idea echoed. It's all through the Bible, but I just picked this one. You find this idea echoed, all right? Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. Actually, Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine are very famous and very important verses in the Bible because they define our salvation. So Ephesians two, eight and nine says this, for it's by grace you have been saved through faith this is not from yourself, it's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So God comes back in, he defines our salvation. I'm saved by grace, not by works. I don't earn my way to heaven. I don't pay my way to heaven. I don't moral my way to heaven. I don't religiosity my way to heaven. I don't know how to describe it, so I just made up a word. I don't do those things to get to heaven. My salvation is given to me by God. And attached to that definition of salvation, you find verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. I am saved by grace. Why? Because I am the handiwork of God. Who is the handiwork of God? Am I individually the handiwork of God? Yeah, kinda. But who are you? I am the church. The church, you mean me? Yep, you mean us? Yep. The church is the handiwork of God. In fact, in Corinthians, the Bible says that God forms the body together. Every part of it is a necessary part. Every part of it is called or gathered together by God. The Bible says that when you accept Christ, you are given certain spiritual gifts. Those spiritual gifts aren't for you. They're for the body. They're for the church. We, us, me, yeah. Us, yeah. We, the church, are the handiwork of God. We're created in Christ to do what? To do good works that he has prepared in advance for us to do. Now, what does that mean? Now, if you grew up, this is where the Christian subculture will get you if you grew up, and, and it, got, it got me too because I grew up in it. I know all these buzz things. When I was growing up in the Christian subculture, I was taught this verse 1,000 times, and I was taught I am, I am the handiwork of God, and I was created by in Christ to do good works that I was prepared in advance for me to do. I was born to do these good works, and so as I got older, what I was taught was that God has a special will for my life. And if I could discover the will of God for my life, that only in that place would I find happiness and contentment and joy. So when I got to college, man, I would, we'd talk about the will of God all the time. And we would sit around in our dorm room and say, I, I don't know, I don't know God's will for my life, I just don't know, I'm not even on pod, I just talk like this. Right? I, I just, what, what's, the, what's the will of God? I just don't know, what's God's will? I just have to discover God's will. I, I don't know what I'm gonna do, I just need to know God's will. Right, And then you'd really get talking about it when you were thinking about proposing to your girlfriend. I just don't, uh, is it God's will for me to marry her, man? I just uh, Is she the one for me? Is it God's will? And your roommate's thinking, dude, nobody else will go out with you. <laughs> you know, you better pop the question before she wises up. <laughs> so, so it's like, what, what, what is God's will? And you, you would freeze until you discover God's will. There's supposed, there's this magical, mystical, long journey that you would go on. And if you dug at God's word and you prayed enough and you thought enough, maybe you, I would discover God's will for me. And then I, once I discover God's will for me, I would do what God wants me to do. And that's the key to a fulfilling life, right? That's the way we were taught to think. Now, there's about a thousand things wrong with that logic. And the number one is that's not what that verse means. Number two is I don't seek God's will to make me happy. That's actually a very selfish reason to find the will of God, because God's will is about his glory and his holiness and his purpose, not my happiness, right? God exists, I exist for God, God does not exist for me. We really got that backwards right now in our culture. So I exist to serve and please God. He doesn't exist to serve and please me. So the whole thinking is very, very introverted and it's it's wrong because because we have this idea that God has this specific thing for me and we'll read this passage like this. For I, look at it verse 10, I am God's handiwork created in Christ to do good works which God has prepared in advance for me to do. The problem is it's all plural. We, who, the church, you mean me? Yep, us, yep, I am the church. We are God's handiwork created in Christ to do good works which he has prepared in advance for us to do. Some would say that the will of God is mysterious and difficult and I would argue with that pretty vehemently And I would say the will of God is actually fairly easy to discover. In fact, God wrote a book, and if you just kind of read it, it's in there. He made lists and things like that. Some books even have pictures. You can discover the will of God. It's, It's not really that complicated because the will of God is usually directed to the church. I know, but what about me? That is you. I am the church. So when the church is addressed and the will of God is laid out in the, To the church, it's talking to you. So what does God want me to do? Well, I got one. He he wants you to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples, teach them to obey everything that God commanded and baptize them in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, the name of the Holy Spirit. Boom, done, will, oh God. What am I supposed to do? That, I thought that was for the church. Right, that's you, that's me, that's us, we do that. We, the church, we, we are to love in radical ways. We are to love as we have been loved. In fact, beyond our politics and beyond our subculture, what we're actually supposed to be known for is our passionate love for each other and our passionate love for our enemies. See, that's why God's word is much better proclaimed through an act of love than a picket sign because we're to be known for that, radical, outrageous, ridiculous, irresponsible love. See, Well, who's supposed, I thought that was Mother Teresa. It is, and it's us, I mean, we're, we, it's us. That is the church of Jesus Christ. Many times the will of God is laid out through basic obedience issues. I never know what God wants me to do. Well, you may, may, like it's a bunch of lists in the Bible. You can find it pretty quick. So for instance, the the people of God govern our lives in such a way that that it causes us to be distinct from the culture around us so that the world around us can identify the people of God. That's why the Bible says if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there should be no coarse joking amongst you, Ephesians four, right? It's right there in the Bible, Ephesians four. What's that mean? Like dirty jokes, don't tell them. Well, but they're funny, I know, but be distinctive. There, there should be no sexual immorality, no, no premarital sex, no sex outside of marriage, period, for, for the follower of Jesus Christ. What? Yep, in the book, I can show you, right there. Why? Because it makes us distinctive so that we're easily identified as the church, the people of God. Uh, the Bible says, same, same part of Ephesians, that, that there should be no profanity amongst the people of God. Are you serious? What the? I, yeah, right there in the book, straight up in the book. I can show you. If you're F-bomb king, that's what you shouldn't be doing it. Why? Why? Because, because it gets me to heaven? No, because you were called out to be distinctive. It's not hard to figure that out. Is God talking to me? Yeah, to us? Mm-hmm, yeah. We are to be proclaimers of the truth. We are to tell the gospel. By the way, oftentimes that will be offensive to people. We are to let people know that, that, that Jesus is the only way to heaven. We are to be ministers of reconciliation. You mean I should go knock on my neighbor's door? Yep, and we should do that. It should be the focus of the church. You and I discover the will of God as we respond corporately as a church. And as you participate in the corporate movement of the Church of Jesus Christ, that's where you will find your moments. The Holy Spirit of God will lead you to specific incidences where you step out and you realize, oh, this is something that God wants me to do. You can only discover that as you participate with we, because we were prepared for works that in advance for us to do. Yeah, that works. And it's only as we follow Jesus that we discover those things. I, I was hanging out at this college campus uh, last week, me and Ez were over in Pennsylvania teaching at this college campus and I was hanging out with all these college students and this dude sat me down after class and uh, he said, uh, he goes, hey, can you just talk to me about how you became a pastor? I'm like, sure. And he said, uh, he says, so he goes, when did, you, when did you hear the call of God on your life? I'm like, oh man, there's a call of God? I mean, I don't know, what's it sound like? You know, what's that sound like? He, he goes, what, He goes, did you know from a young age you're supposed to be a pastor? I'm like, no, I didn't, I didn't even become a Christian until I was a junior in college. I don't He goes, well, how, how did you get connected to the church? I said, well, somebody offered me a job, and I was like out of school, and I was like, a job would be nice, right? He said, you didn't feel this spiritual, mystical? Blah, blah, blah. I said, no, man, I said, I said to Jesus when I was a junior in college. I met Heidi. Heidi's dad was a pastor. That connected us to another guy. I said, I didn't feel called into ministry. I just fell in love with Jesus. I just started fo- I didn't know anybody. I just started following Jesus, and I wound up being a pastor. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> how did you know to marry your wife was the next question. I was like, well, she said yes. So I, (laughs) see, I I didn't decide to marry Heidi. I wasn't like, this is Tuesday. I will find me a woman, right? That's how it happened. I fell in love with someone. The journey of being in love with her led us See, I fell in love with Christ. The journey of loving him took me where it took me. I, it's no big mystery. I know, I, can know, I know what to do. Why? Because he tells me. Well, he's talking to the church. That's me. I, I know how to invest my life. How did you know? Was there a vision? No, there's a, there's a book on it bestseller, you can get it on your iPhone, it's it's right there. But if I think of my spiritual journey as separate from the church, it, it all messes up. All right, pull this off the shelf. I am the church, pull it off the shelf. Therefore, the work of the church is my work. Pull that off the shelf how do you get a healthy, vibrant, dynamic, God-centered church? You combine those two things. When a group of individual followers of Jesus recognize that I I am this thing called the church, as much as I have my salvation, as much as the Holy Spirit indwells me, I am the church. Right there in the book, Bible says it. I am that thing, I am called out. I'm no longer my name, my family, my job, my country. I am a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a special possession of God. I am the church, right? Therefore, when God talks to the church and lays out the the universal work of the church, the great commission, love, truth, obedience, all those kinds of things. When he talks to the church, he's talking to me. And when a group of people combine those ideas and they look and say, I am a passionate follower of Jesus Christ and a huge part of what that means is I am a participant in the work of the church. In fact, I was created in Christ to do good works, which I was prepared in advance for us to do. God is building His church to accomplish His mission. I am a part of that. I'm not the focal point of it. God doesn't exist for me, I exist for Him as I serve him and follow him, could he ask me to interact in a special way? Most certainly. But that always is discovered as I am pursuing him in an ever-deepening, loving relationship because I am the church. And the work of the church is my work. See? And you get that going on, and you get some people that understand that, And oh, baby, it's on. The church will pop. All of a sudden, life and mission and vibrancy and change lives and passion, and we got to go. And God does supernatural things. He grants all that power to that, his church, all authority to his church, he does the supernatural through his church. Not just for me to get what I want, it's us doing what God wants and he will come underneath that and amazing and incredible things will happen as his church advances, not even the gates of hell will stand up against the onslaught of his church. And that has always been the case. That's nothing new. That's what the people in Jerusalem believed 2,000 years ago. That's what the people in Antioch believed and organized for thousands of years ago. That's what happened when somebody got on a boat and floated over here to bring the gospel to America. That's what happened in the 1940s in Barberton. Some people realize we are, and this is, let's go. And the gospel spreads, and the good news of Jesus And the work of the church advances. And it's our leg of the race. This is is not vision casting for Grace Church. This is defining who I am and what the Church of Jesus is. Now, I get phone calls all the time because Grace has grown like crazy, right? And that's fun. And so pastors, church growth is a pastor's love language. They just love church growth. And so they'll call in and say, what are you doing? What are you doing there? Is it your preaching? Are you an amazing preacher? And I'm like, well, there's other people better than me, so I don't think so. Is it the music? Is it that guy that counts down? One, two, three, four, that guy? Is it, is it the beat? I'm like, yeah, there's, you know, there's different styles. Music's music. It's just kind of different styles. Is it, is it because you're so attractive? And I'm like, oh, probably. I mean, that's why the women come. So it's like, you know, I, I, what's going on? Is it a program? Is it? And I tell them all the time, I'm like, listen, if you want to know the secret to Grace Church, and they're like, yes, I'm like, give me $500. And they do. And I'm joking. And I'm like, here's the, here's the secret to Grace Church. And I'm dead serious about this, the secret Grace Church. Ready? Since the 1940s, every single time sacrifice was required to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ, the people of Grace Church have said yes. That's it. It's not you, I'm not the only pastor. It's so not the music, no, because they used different music in 1940s. Right? It's the, it's the church. Every single time sacrifice was necessary to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ, the predetermined answer from the people of Grace Church was yes. And by the way, They are not unique. In Jerusalem, when the gospel was trying to be squelched, recant, or die, no. I say yes to Jesus Christ. In Antioch, when it's time to start sending missionaries, who's going to break up their small group? I will. Yes, I will take the gospel. In Europe, who's getting on the boat and floating over with Chris? I'll do it. All the way through, there has always been people in the history of the church, and we do it, and by the way, other cultures around the world right now do it too. And they often do it at a higher price than we do it. Convert or die, and they're dying. I have friends in Africa that have taken the bullet. Why? Because we're the church. And the answer is always yes, because it's who we are. It's not what we do, it's not this grand moment at the climax of a movie. It's us. When Christ says go, we go. When that has a price tag, it's no big deal. Here's my, you need money, here's money. You need volunteerism, here's volunteerism. You need me to go, I'll get on the boat, I'll go. You need need me to leave everything, I'll leave everything. You need me to say goodbye to my family and never see them again? People have done that by the thousands. You need me to go into a dark part of the world where whatever their equivalent of the Ebola virus was, you want me to go there where I know I'm going to die? Yeah, you just, oh, you just need my life? Oh, I'll give my life. What? Well, isn't that how Jesus loved me? Isn't that what he did? You, you need me to sacrifice? Done. You need me to uproot my family and go start a campus in Bath? Handled. You need me to turn my building over? Yep, here it is. I don't care because I am the church and the work of the church is my highest, greatest, most exciting calling on my life. I am a royal priest. I am a holy nation. I am a special possession of God. And the answer is yes before God even asks the question. And that's our history. That's it, simple, easy peasy. That's what the people of grace have always done. That's why the the gospel of Christ is proclaimed so loudly through here. It's not because of me, I'll I'll die and go away. It's not because the music, the music will go out of style. That's what we do today to do our best. But generations from now, when our children say yes and our grandchildren say yes. In the fame of Jesus, how, why? That's just who we are. We're the church. And who I am and what God has called me to is what defines me as a person. All right, I'm gonna ask the band to come out. And as they settle in, I think, it's, I think it's so important that we as individual parts of the church own this in personal ways and then surrender it to corporate ways. That's kind of how the church works. So this is what I wanna encourage you to pray. I dare you to pray this prayer. It's, it's a crazy prayer. I double-dog dare you to, to pray this prayer, okay? This prayer will mess up your life, ready? Ask the Holy Spirit of God, because if, you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are the church, right? So you also have the Holy Spirit within you. So ask the Holy Spirit of God to give you the tangible outcome to this conversation. God, how do, how do I join in? Do you, you want me to go? You, you want me to get on, get on the plane and go? You want me to give? You, you want me to give my finances? You want me to volunteer? You want me to walk across the street and knock on my neighbor's door? You want me to verbally share my faith? You, you, want, you want me to go love somebody in a radical way? You gotta fill in your blank. But ask the Holy Spirit, give me, don't give me just inspiration, God. Don't give me rah, rah, Grace Church, God. What about me? Lead me. Show me. Because I am the church and your work is my work. And I wanna be used by you in our little slice of time, in our little place in history, on our little piece of dirt to proclaim the eternal good news of Jesus. Right? So pray that prayer. Dare you? Pray that prayer and see where God leads you in the special ways that He may be calling you even today.